figure out how to uh, make it in a way that we can we can give it all over. Uh, so so let's start at the beginning. When I was in third or fourth grade, and really this is this parasha, I was learning it. I think it was in third grade. It was when we got sent to Williamsburg. We were learning Parshat Vayechi for the year. Imagine driving from Brooklyn to Williamsburg. I still have nightmares going through the BQE. And uh, that's when school burnt down. And uh, they, they sent us to a public school and there were rats bigger than cats. I mean, it was really a nightmare of a year for, a, for an eight-year-old kid. Uh, so, so when we were learning with the rabbi in, uh, in, uh, in third grade, we were learning Parshat Vayechi. And the rabbi turned to us and he said to us, all of us eight-year-olds, and he said, you know, we're learning Parshat Vayechi and it talks about the life of Yaakov. And I want to tell all of you, you should know something, Yaakov never died. What? Yaakov never died. What were his proofs? He said, who else saw angels? It referred us back to what we learned in Parshat Vayetzeh. And who else could command angels? And he referred to what we learned in Parshat Vayishlach. And who else could fight an angel? And he referred to, again, Parshat, the end of Parshat Vayishlach. And who else... Who else uh, could take the name of an angel, which is Yisrael, is the name of an angel. Therefore, he said, Yaakov must have been part man, part angel, and Yaakov never died. He quoted to us eight-year-olds, the Gemara. And the Gemara is a very cool story. And if you ever get invited to give a Devar Torah at someone's table and you're really not in the mood, remember this Gemara. Rab Nachman and Rab Yitzchak were sitting and eating a meal together. So Rav Nachman turns to Rav Yitzchak and he says, Let my master say a Devar Torah, share a Torah idea with us. So Rav Yitzchak turns to Rav Nachman, Rav, Rav Nachman and he says, I'm going to tell you what Rav Yochanan said. He said that a person should never speak during a meal. Because the trachea, which precedes the esophagus, what's going to happen, the food is meant to enter the esophagus, and when one speaks, basically one could choke to death, and therefore one should not speak during a meal because of the danger of choking, and that's my Devar Torah. It's a great one. It gives you an excuse. That's it. We're done. Over, folks. So after they ate, Rav Yitzchak says to Rav Nachman that Rav Yochanan actually said the following. Our patriarch, Yaakov Lomet. Yaakov didn't die. This is the Gemara in Gitin, page 5. It turns out the Zohar says the same thing. Yaakov never died. So I was kind of puzzled. What's the rabbi telling us? What do you mean he never died? We just learned in this parashah that the Egyptians embalmed him for 40 days. 40 days they're working on his body. And 30 days they mourn him. And then a whole procession leaves Egypt. All Egypt, all the nobility comes out. And they take Yosef's crown and they put it on the coffin of Yaakov. And they march out of Egypt. And they come into Eretz Canaan. And in Canaan the kings are thinking to attack them. And they see the army of Egypt, the nobility of Egypt. And they decide to join the funeral. And every king of Canaan puts his crown on the coffin of Yaakov Avinu. And they eulogize him and then they take him to Marat HaMachpelah and we learn in the Midrash the big fight between between uh, yeah, between uh, Esav coming out and saying it's my place go get the, the bill of sales show me how you have the deed etc etc so all of these things happen and I don't understand Rabbi what are you telling us he didn't die then who the heck was in the who was in the in the coffin what are you talking about so it turns out that as an 8 year old kid I wasn't alone Rab Nachman asked Rav Yitzchak the same question and the truth is, the, the answer we're going to come back to in the Gemara is not such a powerful answer. It's not something so clearly understood. So I asked my third grade rabbi, and I said, Rabbi, I don't understand. Who was in there? So the rabbi said, David, it was a shed. A what? A shed, a demon, a body double. I said, Rabbi, what do you think this is, the movies? A body double? Who was it? No, it was a body double. And then I asked him, but Rabbi... If he's still alive, where is he living today? Where is he hiding? And then he changed the subject, and we didn't get very far. That was it for the eight-year-old kid, just totally confused. Later in life, when I learned this in the Gemara, I saw that Tosfot agrees. It says, Yaakov avinu lo met, veken mishma dichtiv. He says, so Tosfot on the Gemara says, you know what? It doesn't say he died. It says he was gathered up. Therefore, we know he never died. And I want to ask Tosfot the same, but they were alive a thousand years ago, so what am I going to do? So the Torah says he never died, the Zohar says he never died, Tosfot says he never died, Rashi quotes that he never died. What do you mean he never died? What's going on here? 
So we're going to take a few approaches. We're going to see if we could figure this out and discover the implied lesson to all of us on immortality. Being that English is my primary language and probably the primary language for many of us, this question is a question that we would never understand. But here's the question. In the silent prayer, in the Amidah, we say, Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu, Veloke Avotenu, Eloke Abraham, Eloke Yitzchak, Veloke Yaakov. The question that the rabbis ask is, why is the Vav missing between Eloke Abraham and Eloke Yitzchak? It should say, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now in English, we only put the and, and on the last one because we use the commas. But in Hebrew, the Vav is the comma. And you need the Vav in between. So the Vav is actually lacking in the Amidah. And the question is, why is it lacking? And if we could understand why the Vav is lacking, we're going to start to understand this whole story. So, in the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 97, it tells us that the only antidote to death is truth. Emet is the antidote of death. How do we see this? It tells us a story. Concerning the lack of truth, Rava says, initially I would say that there's no truth anywhere in the world. And then he says there was a certain one of the sages who was so honest that if you would give this guy the entire world, he wouldn't deviate from the truth in his statement. So he says, this sage said to me, he gives his name, is Rav Tavut. One time I happened to be in a certain place and truth is the name of this place and its residents would never deviate from the truth in any of their statements and no person there would die prematurely. I married a woman from among them. And together we had two sons. One day, he said, his wife was sitting and washing her hair in the house. The neighbor came and knocked on the door. The rabbi said, it's not proper to tell the neighbor that my wife is washing up in the house. So he said to the neighbor to protect his wife's modesty, uh, sorry, my wife's not home. Since he deviated from the truth, the Gemara says the two sons died. The people residing in the place never heard of such a thing. So they came and asked him what happened. And he told them, this was the nature of the incident. He told them what happened. They said to him, leave our place. Don't provoke premature death among us. And there the Gemara is saying, truth is related to life. Truth is related to this living on and not dying prematurely. He says, but... Okay, that's about not dying prematurely. But what is there that tells us about Yaakov never dying? What does it really mean? We say in our daily prayers relating to this idea of emet, ten emet, ten emet le Yaakov chesed le Abraham. Give truth to Yaakov and kindness to Abraham. We always associate this aspect of truth, emet, with Yaakov. The Gemara set suggests based on the on the pasuk in Bereshit thirty three twenty. Says Rabbeinu Bachya says, the God of Israel called Yaakov Kel. What do you mean? It says Hashem called Yaakov Kel. He called Yaakov a God. The way that the Midrash explains it, they say the wording there is that Hashem said to Yisrael, to Yaakov, I am the God in heavens, while you are the Kel, the God on earth. Something unbelievable. Hashem calling Yaakov Kel. But we see later on, his name Ed, Yisra, Kel with the Kel. This name Kel, Aleph Lamid, the rabbis tell us, stands for an abbreviation which refers to Yaakov. Kel, Amid, Aleph Lamid is Emet LeYaakov, truth to Jacob. This points out the aspect of the quality of truth is always associated with Yaakov, even from Hashem himself. A number of rabbis point out they point this again and they say this shows again Hashem calling Yaakov Kale and Medle Yaakov shows Yaakov never died. The Zohar goes on and says, What is the antidote to death? And the Zohar says, Emet, truth. The rabbis tell us that when one clings to truth, one is clinging to the Etz Hachaim, the tree of life. There's another way to overcome death, it seems. In the book of Devarim, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Those of you who cling to Hashem your God, all of you are alive today. 
the rabbis tell us. If we take the letters of Atem, we have the letters Aleph Taf Mem, which if we reverse, it's Aleph Mem Tet, Emet. Emet, the Atem HaDevekim, and you, we have the Vav that we're going to discuss, and this word Atem is Emet, you cling to Hashem, you cling to truth, you will live forever. The Torah also tells us that Yaakov is Ish Tam. The letters of Tam are Taf and Mem. The same letters as Met, death. Yaakov Ish Tam, who overcomes Met. How? The rabbis tell us he reverses death, Mem Taf, to Tam, Taf Met, Mem, and he reverses death. Yaakov is the one who reverses death. The Benishai goes further. And he says, we learn so much from this word Tam. Because if we take the numerical value of Tam, it's a Taf, which is 400, and a Mem Sofit, if we calculate the Sofit letters, the Mansapap, it's 600. So he says, Tam is 1,000. He quotes a verse from Yeshayahu, and it says, Hakaton The younger one, referring to Yaakov, will be 1,000. The Ben Ishai says, Yaakov Avinu, in essence, he, he changes Met from 440 to Tam, which is a thousand. And by clinging to the Torah, by clinging to truth, he reverses death. This is the Ben Ishai. We keep having one after the other, after the other, talk about Yaakov doesn't die. Always with these proofs. Sometimes we say that the Aleph itself, the letter Aleph, represents a thousand. I also say, always think that the letter Aleph presents Aluf. Aluf Ha'olam, the ruler of the world, this is Hashem. Go further. The Yalkut Reuveni says in the name of the Megale Amukot that the world was created not with one alphabet of 22 letters, but with three alphabets of 22 letters each. He says the 22 letters of the three alphabets are a total of 66. And the sword of the 66 is the 66 members of Bnei Israel who came down last week to Mitzrayim. 66 came down, three were already there, and one was born in the straits. So this 66, he says, is represented by these three alphabets. He also explains, based on the Megaleh Amukot, that when Adam HaRishon sinned, what did he do? The Satan removed from each of these alphabets one letter. Which letter? The letter Aleph. He goes further and he says, there were three specific words that the Satan removed the letter Aleph from, and they caused us terrible, terrible tragedy. What were those words? The name of Hashem Adnut, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, Amonai, he removed the Aleph and he leaves us with Din. He removes the Aleph from Emet, truth, because falsehood was what caused the action to happen. And what does he leave us with? Met, death. And he removes the Aleph from Adam. And what does he leave us with? Dam, just blood. He further explains that while there's truth, man can cling, be connected to Hashem. And Hashem will likewise cling and be connected to man. But without the Aleph, all three are changed. Adam is Dam, Emet is Met, and Amonai is just Din, Dan, Din. The Chida suggests that the job of Yaakov Avinu was specifically to restore the Aleph to the word Met and change death to truth. Death Met to Emet. The Shela HaKadosh suggests when the verse tells us that Hashem saw that everything He did was very good, the last verse in the first chapter of Bereshit, what does it say? Vayar Elokim et kol asher tov me'od. God saw everything that He did and it was very good. Vayar Elokim et. Take the last letters and we have Aleph. Aleph Mem Taf Emet Emet says the Chida What did Hashem see? That everything that's truth is good And what is Me'od? Tov Me'od Very good Me'od is Adam Adam is the same letters as Me'od All of this depends On the aspect of truth The quality of Yaakov 
through which he restores it and in essence changes met death and nullifies death to truth. He also says, when the snake, the Nahash, approached Chava, the Nahash used what? Falsehood. He lied to her. He said, look, if you eat, you're going to be like God. God doesn't want you because God ate and by eating, God created the world. He uses falsehood. What happens is, when through falsehood, what happens is emet, the aleph is dropped and we end up with met. Through falsehood, the adam, the aleph is dropped, we end up with dam. It's interesting because the snake or the dark side, by propagating falsehood, it leads to death. We take emet, we come up with met. It leads to death. It leads man to blood. And our antidote is expressed by the rabbis that tell us something unbelievable. The rabbis tell us, By your bloods, you will live. What does that mean, by your bloods, you're going to live? We actually have two antidotes, two different bloods. One blood is the blood of the covenant of circumcision. And the other blood is the blood of the offering, specifically of the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Lamb. So by bringing the blood, we're able to overcome the dam of the snake and restore the Aleph to become Adam, man again. The Menei Yisachar goes further. He suggests the three Alephs removed by the Nachash or Satan as a result of the sin were restored by the Avot. We discussed in the past. There's only three avot because only the avot are able to do this to restore something so universal, so important. He says the Vinaya Sahad, what are they restoring? They are restoring the Alephs. He relates that when we say Eloke Avraham, we're talking in the Amidah of Avraham, who's the first one to call Hashem Adon Amonai. Avraham is restoring the Aleph to Amonai. It's so interesting. The rabbis ask a question. How do we have a berachah that goes Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu and doesn't say Melech HaOlam? Because once you say Eloke Abraham, Abraham is the one who makes Hashem Melech HaOlam and therefore you don't need the words. So Abraham is restoring the Aleph to Adnut, Amonai. Yitzchak, whose blood was spilled on the altar, who his father took the knife across his neck, whether it was a small neck or a big neck, his blood spilled. And therefore, he's the one who's metaken, he's fixing the dam and adding back the aleph to Adam. And Yaakov is the one who restores truth, emet. I always wondered, we talked about Eliphaz, the son of Esav, coming to kill Yaakov after he leaves to go to Padan Aram. The question is, why doesn't he catch him in the 14 years that he's sitting in the yeshiva? He's a sitting duck there. Why does it happen only after he leaves the yeshiva? The rabbis tell us that because Yaakov is studying in the yeshiva, he went El Makom Torah. El Aleph Makom Mem Torah Emet. He went El Makom Torah, and therefore, by Emet, by truth, he cannot be killed, and Eliphaz can't find him. One more lesson. Amazing. And then we're going to go to the real class. The Zohar Kadosh tells us that the sign given to Cain. Cain needed an ot, a sign. What is an ot? The, the word ot means sign, and the word ot also means letter. So what was the sign given to Cain? Says the Zohar, the letter vav. The letter vav. Also the Zohar says, when Rachav, who protected Kalev and Pinhas when they came as spies before Yehoshua comes in to conquer the land, she also requested an ot. The Zohar says she was also given the letter Vav. As Sephardim, in the morning, when we pray the Amidah, also in the afternoon, we pray the Amidah. After we go through the whole Amidah, we offer praise to Hashem and we ask Him for all our requests and then we thank Him for everything. We say Tachanun, Anna, Anna. We say Anna and after we say Anna, we sit down and we say Le David. Some have a custom to put their head down. By us, only a very, very high rabbi could do this because basically what that person is doing is going into the depths and lifting up. The rest of us sit up when we do it. We say, we say Le David. Le David is actually chapter 25 of Tehillim. We're taught that this is the most powerful prayer. 
The Gemara has stories about Rabbi Yochanan. He's going to go say it and his wife doesn't want him to say it with proper intent because she's worried about her brother, etc., etc. Tachanun is what? Why is it so powerful? Because it's all about mesirut nefesh, giving my life to Hashem. It's a willingness to give my life. We begin by saying, Elecha Hashem nafshi To you, Hashem, my soul, do I raise up. Strange, though, that in this psalm, which goes by the letters of the Aleph Bet, we have the Aleph, the Bet, the Gimel, the Dal, the He, Zayin, Het. We skip the letter Vav. And the question is, why is the Vav missing? The Zohar Kadosh says, this letter Vav, which was given as a sign to Kain to allow him to live, and Rechav to allow, Rechav, to allow her to live, represents life. I try to understand what do you mean the Vav represents life? What does the Vav represent life? I never heard this before. So I look and we see the Vav looks like a hook. And the word Vav actually means hook. And a hook is something that connects two things. It also means to connect the spiritual with the physical. And to have life, we have to have the physical connected to the spiritual. This is the Vav. The rabbis teach that if man is connected on high that he doesn't fall down below. On another level, the word vav means and. And. Ve'ele, and these things. Within a sentence, the vav and hook connects one word or clause to the next. Furthermore, a vav attached to a verb can convert the verb from tense. So for example, we have the word haya, which is was in Hebrew. We add a vav to vehaya, and it becomes, and it will be. Haya, vehaya, and it will be. Vehaya im shamoa, and it will be if you listen. We have the word yehi, and it will be, yehi or. But if we add the vav, vayhi, and it was. So this vav is very powerful. It connects things, and it transforms things. So, so powerful a letter, if we really think about it. It's also the Vav, it represents a hook connecting the higher realm to the lower realm. The shoot that allows the Torah to flow from the upper world to the lower world. It's the Vav, I think, that represents Zeranpin, that allows us to connect to the Bina down to the level of Mahut as a shoot, imagining in the words of the Zohar. Historically, the Torah also connects the laws and customs of the past to the present, and thus the present to the future. Like the Vav, which has the ability to shift a word, a phrase, or an idea from past to future and back, the Torah is both within time and beyond time. Its timeless teachings bridge life at the beginning of creation with the current issues of modern life. With this in mind, I was drawn to a verse at the end of the book of Vayikra. just came to me. Vezacharti et beriti Yaakov I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And I will remember with Yitzchak. And I will remember my covenant with Jake, with Abraham. And the land I will remember. If we look at the name Yaakov in this verse, it's spelled Yaakov Yud Ayin Kuf Vav Bet. There's an extra Vav in the word Yaakov. And the question is why? Why do we have the extra Vav? Rashi notes there's five places that the word Yaakov, the name Yaakov, has an extra Vav. And it says Yaakov took these Vavs from Eliyahu as security, because Eliyahu's name is sometimes spelled without the Vav, as security that Eliyahu will come and redeem his children. I found it interesting. Eliyahu with the Vav represents a, a Malach, a person who never dies. Then I saw a comment there from the Maharal. And the Maharal says the letter Vav represents what? Emet. Truth. You see this in the Maharal's commentary in Gur Arye. The Zohar continues and it says the letter Vav represents both truth and life. Wild. The Zohar again, like we mentioned, tells us that the letter was given to Cain to protect him and to make sure no one would kill him so that he could live life. We're also told that Yitro's original name was Yeter. Yeter was a Gilgul of Cain, 
And when he fulfilled his Gilgul from the good side of Cain, he was given an extra letter to his name. That letter was the Vav, and Yeter became Yitro. And this Vav is given to Yaakov in our daily Amidah. We pray in the daily Amidah, Ve'elohei Yaakov. Ve, the Vav is given to Yaakov. That's why the Vav is only by Yaakov, because it's Yaakov who has this additional Emet, truth, and additional life. In this week's parasha, Pashat Vaychi, we read, the time approached for Yisrael to die. So he called for his son. Who does he call for? Yosef. And he says to Yosef, please Yosef, if I found favor in your eyes, please, what do you do? Place your hand under my thigh and do kindness, chesed ve'emet with me. Please don't bury me in Mitzrayim. I'll lie down with my fathers. You'll transport me out of Mitzrayim. And Yosef said, I'll do what you said. Now you would imagine... Yitzchak, Yaakov is going to say, okay, Yosef, you said you're going to do it, I accept you're going to do it. Goes further, and Yaakov says, no, Yosef, swear to me. And he swore to him. The rabbis ask a question. Regarding Yaakov's request to Yosef, he says, do chesed ve'emet. And we all learned this. What is chesed ve'emet? Rashi says, chesed ve'emet is the chesed that people do for the dead, because it's chesed shel emet, kindness of truth, because one doesn't look for reciprocation. If you're doing something for a dead person, he can't come and do anything for you. He's dead. He can't come and pay you back. Chesed shel emet is when we do kindness and we don't expect to be paid back. We have a problem with this statement that we've all accepted our entire lives because we find that the same statement Chesed Shel Emet is said by Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, to Lavan and Betuel when he goes to the house. He says, Ve'atam, Ve'ata, and now, if you guys osim Chesed Ve'emet et Adoni, Higidali. If you're going to do kindness and truth to my master, tell me. Kindness and truth to who? Abraham Avinu. What do you mean? Abraham's not dying then. He's asking to do chesed ve'emet. But what's the chesed ve'emet? To send Rivka. How is that chesed ve'emet? Final, final chesed that can't be repaid. According to the statement, it appears that even the sort of chesed performed on behalf of the living could be called chesed shel emet. So what's Rashi talking about? Nora Chaim HaKadosh, he's also perplexed. He doesn't understand why Yaakov asks Yosef to do something and Rashi says there's no payment back because in fact there seems to be a payment back because Yaakov tells Yosef what does he say? I'm giving you Shechem as a portion beyond your brothers and what does Rashi say? why are you getting Shechem? because you're going to the trouble to take care of burying me therefore you're getting Shechem which means that the chesed shel emet, the chesed with no payment, uh, Yaakov's already prepaying the deal. You take care to bury me, I will give you shechem. This clearly shows that Yosef is being compensated. So what does it mean, chesed shel emet, that was saying it means chesed that won't get paid back? Number three. Rashi comments, he says, chesed shel emet, we perform for the deceased. Because one doesn't look for reciprocation. When a person gives tzedakah to a poor person, he doesn't expect to get paid back. A poor guy comes to you for money. You give him money. Do you expect the poor guy ever to pay you back? Do you ever expect him to see you again? And if he sees you, he's going to turn the other way. So, shouldn't that be maybe chesed shelemet? But we could say that a person who does a good deed, any person who does a good deed, what do they expect? They expect Hashem's going to pay me back. And the Torah tells us, you should give to the poor person. You should surely give. Don't let him feel bad. And Hashem will bless you in everything you do. So we know that every time we do a mitzvah, every time we do a chesed, we don't expect the person to pay us back. We expect Hashem because we did a mitzvah. So this being the case, even when one does a chesed for a dead person to bury him, 
What does he expect? He's doing a mitzvah. Who's going to take care of him? Hashem. Therefore, what are we saying? Chesed shel emet is a chesed that we're never going to get paid back for. It's a great question because it's something we all live with. Additionally, we have to explore. Why did Yaakov Avinu tell Yosef to put your hand under my thigh? Now it's true we find that Abraham Avinu tells this to Eliezer. He makes Eliezer, his servant, swear in this manner not to take a son from the Canaanim for his, for his son Yitzchak, a daughter from the Canaanim for, for, for Yitzchak. Rather, he says, you have to go back to my land, to uh, you know, my, my nephew's house, and find a girl from Padan Aram, from Aleppo, from Syria. Why, in fact, did he ask him to place his hand under the thigh? The Gemara tells us something unbelievable. It tells us that a son is his father's legs. A son is his father's legs. Ah, you got to wonder, of all the body parts that you could imagine, why would you choose to describe a son as his father's legs? Clearly, there are other body parts that are much more important. There's the heart, there's the brain, the right arm. Why are we describing a son as his father's legs? To understand this, let's look at the beautiful words of Shilomo HaMelech. He writes in Kohelet, Kol asher he says, everything that you, you find yourself in a position to do, he says, you should do it. <laughs> you have no idea when you're going to end up in the grave. He says, a person should not go buy a mitzvah because he doesn't know if he's going to have a chance to do it again. Our holy books teach us, if a person educates his children and the members of his household to serve Hashem, that person <coughs> he continues to be rewarded for the mitzvah even after he passed away as if he is still alive how can I earn money in my bank account in heaven after I can't earn anymore the Torah is telling us if we leave children and students behind and they do then they earn for us while earning for themselves we learn based on this that anyone who raises a righteous son, it is as if that person does not die. In fact, we learned in the Gemara, why regarding to David HaMelech when he's going to die, it says Shechiva, he laid down, while regarding Yoav, his general, it says, Meta, he died. The Gemara says regarding David HaMelech who left behind a son like himself, we don't call it death, we call it laying down. But regarding Yoav, who didn't, we call it death. In Sefer Hanukkah Torah, he quotes the question we began with. Yaakov Avinu never died. The Gemara asked the obvious question that I asked as a little kid. So who did they utilize? Who did they embalm? Who did they bury? The Gemara says the same answer I never stood, understood when I was a little kid. So we're going to try to see if we can understand that. It quotes a pasuk. And it says, You fear not, my servant Yaakov, says Hashem. Do not become broken, Yisrael. For behold, I will deliver you from afar and your seed from the land of captivity. The Pasuk draws a parallel between Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, and his seed. Just as his seed is alive, so too is Yaakov alive. We sing a song, O Davinu Chai, O Davinu Chai, our father is still alive. Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael Chai. As long as Am Yisrael is Chai, then our father is alive. In some way, the Gemara is saying that he's alive through us. A parent can live after death spiritually through their children. A teacher could live after death spiritually through their students. A person could live after death through their deeds. This is somewhat puzzling. The Gemara's question seems to remain unanswered. If Yaakov Avinu is still alive, he didn't die, then why did they eulogize him? Why did they embalm him? Rav Heshel explains the Gemara's intent based on the statement mentioned above regarding David HaMelech, who left a son like him. He says, just like David, it's called Shechiva, laying down and not dying, because he left Shelomo HaMelech 
behind him in this world. The same is true for Yaakov. With respect to his physical body, the rabbis say, of course he died. Of course he died. Okay, there are guys that say it was a shit. But the rest of them say, no, he died. Therefore, they embalmed him. How did they embalm him? Separate class. The Ma'amloyz gives an interesting answer. Then they hold him for 30 days. They eulogize him, says the rabbis, since his bed was complete and perfect. Because all 12 of his sons were Sadiqim, they constituted the foundation of Kiddushah for Bnei Israel throughout the generation. And the Gemara can conclude, because of that, Yaakov Avinu Lomet, the merit of his descendants, the people of Israel, our Torah, our mitzvot, are all credited to who? Yaakov Avinu, to our fathers. And he's still advancing even in the world up above, even if he's not really alive, but he's alive spiritually. This is the meaning of the Gemara's answer. It says, Makish hu afhu Just as his children are alive, he too is alive as long as they follow in his path. For all of the Torah and all the mitzvot that occupy B'nai Israel, it's in his merit, it's as if he is still a holech, a person who's able to walk, a person who's able to go forward, a person who's able to advance in the world above. In this manner, the Hatam Sofer comments on Pashat Be'alatecha. He says the statement of Zechariah, I will grant you mehalchim, those who can walk among those omdim, those who stand in place. So long as a Jew is alive, he's able to perform the mitzvot, follow the halacha, walking. He's considered a holech, he could advance from stage to stage. The Pasuk says, Im telechu. If you go, advance in my precepts, in my statutes. Yet after a person passes away, he's like a malach, he's an omed. It's as if he's standing in place because he can no longer improve, he can no longer do better, he can no longer walk. But if he leaves children behind who follow the path of the Torah, who follow Yirah, he's still considered a holech, even in a world above. This is the basis of the statement of the Gemara and Sanhedrin. A son can earn merit for his father. This then is what, how we understand the Pasuk. Even in the world of the Neshamot, when you depart, you're not considered, you're among the Omdim, you're among those who are standing the dead, but you can be Mehalchim, one who is going forward due to the mitzvot that your children are doing in this world. A Sadiq after death, perhaps is no longer a mehalech, we think, because he's free of the mitzvot. Yet if he had many students, all the mitzvot that they perform, all the learning they do, everything that was a result of his effort, it sends and advances from level to level even after his death. This is the meaning of the pasuk where it says, I will grant you mehalchim. Rabbi Sachar Dov of Bells addresses the juxtaposition of the Pesukim in the second paragraph of Shema. Otam et benechem. You should teach your children bam to speak the words of Torah. Leman in order to increase their days. These verses emphasize the tremendous importance of educating and leaving children behind that follow the path of the Torah. Umadetem otam et benechem. If we educate our children, if we do the, show them the mitzvot, leman yirbu yemechem, our days will, will multiply, kime hashamayim al haaretz. That even the days that were in heaven, kime hashamayim, will be like the days we are al haaretz. Although we're already in heaven, we could still advance as if we are on earth because of the children who are doing the mitzvot. This provides us with a beautiful understanding of Rashi's comment. He says, Latet lahem, not latet lachem, to give to them, not to give to you. He says this constitutes an allusion from the Torah to the resurrection of the dead. Rashi is saying, when the children follow in the ways of the Torah, as they were instructed to do by their parents and grandparents, they're resurrecting their forefathers who have already passed away. This is Rashi's meaning, Mikan In the merit of the Torah and the children learning, we're resurrecting the dead. The time you're in heaven, it's as if you are on earth. 
This is what the rabbis mean when they say a child is the legs of his fathers. They are teaching us that one who carries on the legacy of his father, the legacy of his teacher, it's his duty to function in this world as that person's legs, to allow that person to continue to move forward. Since there is no doing, no reckoning in the grave, a deceased father can no longer elevate himself spiritually. The obligation rests on the son, the legs of the father, to carry his father up the rungs of the spiritual ladder, even after the father passed away, by means of his learning, of his good deeds, of all the things he does, the way that his father taught him. Now we could appreciate Yaakov's somewhat unusual request to Yosef. He tells Yosef, put your hand under my leg, under my thigh. Yaakov Avinu is telling Yosef that after my death, I can't walk anymore. I'm lacking the legs, I'm lacking the thighs that would allow me to walk. For in the world above, I'm not going to be able to perform the mitzvot and the good deeds. So I can't be a holech. Hence, Yosef, you, you need to put your hand under my thighs. You need to support my legs. You need to be my legs. You need to follow Yaakov's path of Torah and service of Hashem, even here in Mitzrayim. This is the thrust of Yaakov's request. Please, Yosef, if I found favor in your eyes, please place your hand under my thigh. Accept that you will accept this task of serving as my legs, as my thighs, so that I'm going to be able to maintain my status of holech, and I could be in heaven as if I am on earth. This also explains this whole idea of chesed shel emet. Excuse me. Rashi explains, Chesed shel emet, kindness that people do with truth is kind, for the dead, is Chesed shel emet. Yaakov goes on to specify that the Chesed he wants from Yosef is specifically Chesed shel emet. Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. Don't cause me to be buried in Mitzrayim by failing to follow the ways of the Torah which I taught you. For under those circumstances, I will be like someone who did not leave behind a son like himself. And such a person is referred to as dead. Instead, Yosef, follow the path of the Torah so that I can continue to be thought of as being alive even after I passed away. If you do this for me, Yosef, I will lie down with my fathers. I will merit merely lying down, Shechiva, like we wrote about David, not actually dying. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Veshachavti. I will lay down like it does with David HaMelech, indicating that he's merely laying down and not dead, dead and gone. Therefore, the Torah requests the following after Yosef promises to fulfill his request. He says, swear to me. And he swears to him. We can now appreciate Abraham's directive to his servant Eliezer. Place your hand under my thigh. Why? Abraham is conveying to Eliezer that he sought that he should search for a proper wife for his son Yitzchak. Together, Yitzchak and his wife would produce the proper offspring who would accept the precepts of the Torah and therefore they would fulfill the role of the thighs of Abraham Avinu. Thus, Abraham himself would maintain the status of a holech even after passing away and this would be impossible if Yitzchak would marry a Kedanite. At this point, we could suggest a beautiful interpretation of Rashi's comment. Kindness that people do for the dead is kindness of truth because one does not look forward to reciprocation. What does that mean? We don't understand it as we always understand it, understood it. We don't understand it as it appears initially. We already see that Yaakov rewarded Yosef by giving him Shechem. You get compensation for mitzvot. We see that Hashem rewards us. Rather, what is Rashi trying to teach us? He's teaching us that the deceased, seeing as he is already in the realm of the neshamot, does not anticipate any compensation fulfilling mitzvot. After all, there's no deeds, there's no accountability. Once a person is in the grave, it's done. Therefore, when the children of the deceased follow the path of Torah and Yira'ah, as they were instructed to do by their father, or their mother, or their teacher. 
while he's still alive, they are performing an act of chesed shel emet. On behalf of the deceased, they're enabling the deceased to receive compensation for the mitzvot performed by the children, even in the world of neshamot. Clearly, there's no greater chesed than this. A person who can't earn any more, you're helping that person to earn, you're helping that person to grow, you're doing so much for that neshama. Returning to the Megal Amukot, he comments on the statement of Yaakov Avinu never died. He says, Yaakov's midah is emet, as it's written, titen emet le Yaakov, chesed le Abraham. Give truth to Yaakov, kindness to, to, to Abraham. Therefore, he never died. Met, because the letter Aleph was added to the word met, forming the word emet. One more beautiful point. We learned in the Mishnah Avot. Al shelosha devarim haolam omed. On three things the world stands. Al ha'avodah. Al ha'torah. On the Torah, the Al Ha'avodah, on the service, the Al Gemilut Hasadim, and on kind deeds. The Zohar Kadosh tells us these three pillars are none other than the three Avot. Al Shilosha Devarim Ha'olam Omer, on three things the world stands. Al HaTorah, who's the Torah? Yaakov Avinu. Al Ha'avodah, who's the service? Yitzchak Avinu. Al Gemilut Hasadim, who's the one who does kindness? This is Avraham Avinu. Yaakov is the pillar of Torah. Yitzchak is the pillar of service. Abraham is the pillar of kind deeds. Thus we see that Yaakov Avinu is the pillar of the Torah. Accordingly, we could suggest this is why Yaakov merits representing the attribute of, of Emet. Because the Torah is referred to as Emet. Therefore, due to Yaakov's intimate association with the Torah, which is called Emet, he does not die. He remains in essence alive forever because the Torah, which with the world was created, is the source of life. <coughs> this explains why we say, Asher natanlanu Torah emet. Hashem gave us a Torah of truth. olam nata And implanted internal life with us. In other words, in the merit of the Torah, which is called emet, we merit eternal life in keeping with the notion of Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov never died. The idea that Yaakov Avinu never died seems to be based on the fact that he left behind generations of Sadiqim emulating his ways. We learned anyone who leaves behind children or students like himself is not associated with death. This then was Yaakov's request from his son Yosef. Perform on my behalf chesed shel emet, kindness and truth. Rashi explains that chesed is a special chesed for the dead. By following the path of the Torah, which I taught you, you're performing on my behalf a chesed of emet. Titan emet le'akov is for future generations. We now could understand the difficulty and reconcile what Rav Eliyahu Mizrahi, what the Maharal wrote regarding Rashi's comment of chesed shel emet. They noted that similar terminology, as we mentioned, was used by Eliezer with Lavan. Eliezer understood the union of Yitzchak and Rivka would produce Yaakov. His, their children would be Sadikim. As a result, the promise Titen emet Yaakov. Therefore, what does Eliezer do? He requests from Lavan and Betuel. Do chesed shel emet. Why? Because if you give me Rivka and Rivka connects with Yitzchak, what are they going to have as their child? Yaakov Avinu Lomet. To close, we have to remember the essence of life is the ability to connect to Hashem. As ve'atem hadevekim Chaim Kulchem Hayom. Those who connect, those who cleave, are alive today. A Sadiq is connected to Hashem in this world. He remains connected even after death. On the other hand, the Rasha, even when he's alive, his intrinsic life force is missing from him. His lack of connection to Hashem causes him to be dead even while that person's alive. I think the Rasha is really the person who's selfish. When he's so selfish and only thinks about himself and doesn't think about Hashem, he's disconnected from Hashem and he's disconnected from man himself. It's for this reason that the, that the wicked are called dead even when they're alive, but the righteous are called alive even when they're dead. So let's go back to just review the questions. Why is this portion discussing Yaakov's death named Vaychi Yaakov? Because a person can live after death if his children live with him inside them, 
after he's gone. So even though it talks about the death of Yaakov, it's Vayachi. If Yaakov is embalmed for 40 days, he's mourned for 30 days, how can they say he never died? Because as long as the children are the legs of the father, the father continues to live. As long as they're the legs of the mother, as long as they're the legs of the teacher. There's so much that we could do in this world while we're alive to earn us in the future world. Why does Yaakov force Yosef to swear by putting his, his hand under his thigh? Because we are the legs of those who depart. Why is burying someone called Chesed Shelemet? Because it's really not just the burying Chesed Shelemet. It's the continuation to do kind deeds and emit when that person can't. And we supply, we put money in their bank account. We give them zehut. We allow them to grow spiritually, even in the world of truth. Is, is the, this mitzvah truly altruistic with no benefit or reward? Absolutely not. We have tremendous reward for everything we do. If Yaakov didn't die, why does he not want to be in Mitzrayim? Because he wants to lay with his fathers. Veshachati, not die. Lay together with his, fa- with his fathers. <coughs> not as a dead person. How does Yaakov retrieve the three Alephs? We mentioned the Aleph, the Aleph, the Aleph, Aleph Adnut. He returns the Aleph of Ammonai, converts Din to God. Converts the Aleph of Dam, converts Dam to Adam, blood to man. And he converts death, Met, to Emet, to truth. Finally, how does this parasha teach us how any one of us can achieve immortality? It depends on what we do in this world and leave beyond, leave beyond us. It depends what we do. Our actions in this world can do so much. So much our actions in this world can do. We sponsor a class like Dr. Alvin Adler sponsored the class tonight. We attend the class. My cousin Debbie's there and her mother's yard site is tonight. Dr. Dr. Rosen's, uh, his, his mother's yard site is tonight. Unbelievable. By learning Torah, by doing these things, what do we do? We give legs to the person who passed away. And we teach our children that they will be our own legs. We should all be zocher. That we should all be able to do chesed shel emet. Like Yaakov made Yosef promise. We should be like Yosef. And we should continue generation to generation. And even when we're gone, we should be able to continue to grow. We should never be omdim. We should always be holchim. I pray that, that we all should be blessed with wonderful children and wonderful students. And if we don't have children, then we leave things behind that will do and continue to grow. There's, there's, we have our synagogue. The synagogue was, was really there because certain people put all their efforts into the synagogue. So every time someone comes and prays in the synagogue, that person has a zehut. When you do for others, that zehut can continue even after a person is gone. We should all be zocher that Hashem should bless us with 120 years of health and happiness, peace and prosperity. We should live together. We should all be connected like the Vav, connected to each other, connected to the future, connected to the past, and connected most importantly to Hashem. Thank you everybody for joining us. And uh, I'm going to try to open it if anybody has any questions. Allow participants to unmute. Thank you, great. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Deb.